We all know that uh, relationships come in varying degrees of intimacy. From uh, very intimate relationships to uh, friendly relationships to perhaps acquaintances that we have. And uh, I've been at this church long enough to know that um, on any given Sunday morning, there are people in the pews or the soft, cushy seats um, who have different relationships with this church. And uh, I want to challenge you this morning just to think about what is your relationship with this church. I know that some have very close and intimate relationships with this church. They're they're very um, invested in the mission. They understand what it's about and what we're doing and why we're doing it. And, and they want to work towards fulfilling that mission that God has given us. And there, there are others who are um, have sort of more of a friendship relationship with the church. Uh, certainly um, faithful and probably would come to church pretty regularly. Um, and, uh, but you know, there's, it's, it's not intimate. It's, it's the commitment is a, a lot shallower perhaps than the, those who are into it, uh, more intimately. And, and then quite, you know, the elephant in the room is actually, there are people that have very casual relationship with this church. Uh, their relationship with the church is, is really not that different. I was thinking about this and I don't mean to be offensive, but it's, it's, it's true. I think some people in the church have have a relationship with the church, which isn't unlike their relationship with the boardwalk in North Rustico. Uh, I love the boardwalk in North Rustico, and some days they wake up and they say, I'd like to go for a walk in North Rustico uh, on that beautiful boardwalk. I know the boardwalk's going to be there. I know it'll be beautiful. It'll be great. And sometimes uh, people choose to come and take a walk on the boardwalk, and other days they don't. I would say that's a pretty casual relationship that uh, those folks have with the church. So I'd like you to think just for a second, what is your relationship with this church? I think because of the disparity, this this wide range of uh, intimacy that you can have with this church, um, I think that this is why scripture kind of like doesn't actually use the term church that much. Uh, because it, it kind of speaks more of an institution than it does of what uh, God really intends for this phenomenon. I, I can only call it this phenomenon, okay? Um, what Scripture chooses to use to describe this phenomenon is a living and dynamic being. If you look at uh, Paul, who wrote a lot about this in 1 Corinthians, uh, he's, he, you find these words in 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. Interesting, isn't it? Each one of you is part of it. He goes on, and I'll just sort of give the, the scriptures around that key verse, <clears throat> verse 27. We read starting in 21. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Did you hear that? The weaker ones are indispensable. Do you know what indispensable means? 
You can't live without them. Indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, many of us relate to that, will treat with special honor. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lack it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, if you're the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it, and God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, prophets, teachers, and he goes on to mention different roles that people play. Now, now consider that juxtaposed against a static, lifeless institution like the boardwalk in North Rustico. It's there. We know it's there, but it, it does not have any life to it. It has no dynamism to it. It is not a growing and developing thing. The way Scripture describes this phenomenon that we're a part of right here this morning is a body, the body of Christ. Each part is playing a different role. But each part is intimately involved and highly invested. The difference is not commitment levels. You hear this. It's, it's not commitment levels. It's not I'm an acquaintance or a friend or intimately involved. Family, let's say. It's not the commitment level. The only difference amongst us is the role that we play. We're all invested. We're all intimate. We're a body, a living, breathing, dynamic being. It requires all of us. Each one of us is required for growth and development. Each one of us needs to be intimately involved and highly invested. And you might be thinking, what's he talking about invested? I'm not talking about money. <laughs> but what are we invested in? We're invested in the life of this phenomenon, this organism called New Glasgow Christian Church. And just like any organism, Neglect will lead to its decay and ultimate death. Neglect will lead to its decay and ultimate death. The church, as a dynamic organism, has a past, has a present, it has a future. It's moving. It's on its way. It's growing. It's developing. It should have a forward trajectory. <laughs> it should be moving towards some goal. It is not just a boardwalk that we go to and to enjoy, and it will always be there, we know. But it requires nothing of us.
This is why when Peter said, Jesus, I believe you're the Messiah. Jesus replied in this way, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Building is a dynamic process. Construction is a dynamic process, starting with digging the hole, pouring the footers, pouring the foundation, putting the boards on, building the structure. It is a dynamic, growing process. It is not just a static process. And this church has been around here for 185 years or so, and it's a dynamic organism. It is not just an institution. It was never intended to be a static, lifeless institution. It was always intended to be on a path of construction, being built, growing, and developing. Have you ever wondered? I bet you those who are intimate and highly invested with this ministry think about this a lot. But I'm wondering if you've ever thought, where is New Glasgow Christian Church? in its growth and development. You only think in those ways if you have a relationship with it. Where are we in this process? Because it's a process. God is incredibly consistent um, in how he deals with his people. And we can always look for similar patterns and parallels in scriptures that can be helpful to us. And so today I want us, as we consider where we're at as a church, I want us to consider an example from the Old Testament in which God was working with the people of Israel. And he brought them to a place where they had to make a choice. And Moses quite literally says the choice is between life and death. The place that they were at was the Jordan River. And you know the story. Israel was a nation of people living within a nation, but they were a nation of slaves. God's chosen people. And he, God, would not have that for his people. And so he chose Moses, and Moses went through the, the miracles of, of, of the different signs and wonders, and they were delivered out, and they came to the place that they'd always heard about, the land of promise, the promised land, the land that flowed with milk and honey. It was this idealistic place that would be there someday. It had been promised to their forefather Abraham years before. And, the, and, and after, after they, they, they got to the border of this place, they had a crisis of faith. And they said, let's go back to slavery. Let's go back to Egypt. I, I'd rather go back there where I knew, I know for sure 
what my meal is going to be. Oh, yeah, it's gruel. It's gross. It's the same old thing every day. It, it, it's a, a living that is subs, substandard. But, but you know what? It's consistent, and I know what it is. If I go into this land flowing with milk and honey, I don't know what I'm going to anticipate or what to anticipate or what I'm going to encounter. I have no idea what I'm going to come into. And that scares the willies out of me. And so the people of Israel came this close. And they rebelled. And for 40 years they wandered in the desert. While God did some serious work in their, in their lives. And so we have a picture here. This is the second time that they come to the border of the land of promise. And we're faced with the choice to go in or not to go in. And this picture represents what they were told to do once they went in. They were to go into the Jordan, which had separated just like the generation before, before the 40 years of wandering in which the generation that rebelled against God's will died in the desert, they too would have their splitting of the waters. That first generation had the Red Sea separated. This generation had the Jordan River's waters separated. And God said to Moses, direct the people to go in, and for each of the tribes, 12 tribes, pick a stone from the middle of the Jordan, take it into your new land of promise, and build an altar of remembrance. And that's what that picture is about. And so here the people are. The people are at this critical stage in their growth and development. And before they did this, before they went in, Moses, worn out, battle-scarred Moses, gives them a talking to. And it's a long talk. And he talks to them about God's choice of them as a people and their history and how he brought them out of Egypt and how the people wandered in the desert. And he put before them a choice. Are you going to go in or not? And he had the word of God, the, the word of God, which was then called the law, read to them. And they were confronted, they were faced with the decision. I'm just going to read from Deuteronomy 31, just a few, few verses. This is before they crossed the Jordan. Moses went to them and spoke these words. I'm now 120 years old. I'm not able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He'll destroy the nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites, whom he destroyed, along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must 
Do to them as I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and he said to him, In the presence of all Israel, be strong and courageous. For you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. I've chosen this passage because I too believe that this ministry, this dynamic organism, this alive ministry is at a point of decision. And just like Israel had come to this point, they were at a point of succession. You've probably heard that, right? Succession. Um, I think you used the term in a farming sense the other, other day. Um, how, um, you know, you have to have a plan for a succession for your farm, for instance. You have to have a plan of succession for leadership in an organization. You have to have a plan of succession for, for your family and how things are going to be passed on. And I believe that, that this ministry needs to become aware that we have reached a point of succession. A time in which a new generation is going to start to need to take leadership for this ministry and to move it into this next phase. And I got to tell you, anytime God ordains something, it's the land of milk and honey. It's, it's wonderful. If God is calling you to it, it is going to be good. And I believe that that's what God is doing right now. So in a sense, I'm standing up here like Moses, not quite 120. <laughs> and I'm setting before us a choice that I want to just, yeah, challenge us all with. So how are we planning for succession? How are we planning for this ministry to be here in another 185 years and be a vital ministry in this community. Where the word of God is preached each week. Where people come and have their lives revolutionized by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where there is community that is rich and real, and authentic. How can we know this? How can we ensure this? Because I believe, and I know that it's resonating with you because I know this is of God. There is a need now for some planning towards succession. So what are we doing? Well, I want to tell you the first thing that you need to do, and this is something that Moses did in his speech before the people crossed uh, and he wasn't going with them before they crossed the Jordan. He said, this is God's work. <laughs> don't, don't forget this. This is no imagination. This is nothing that I've created in my head. This is not something that has been conjured up by your leaders. This is of God. 
Because we read in Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. We also read in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 that we need to acknowledge the Lord in all things, and he will direct your paths. And so the first thing that we are doing, and I believe our church is doing, and I believe that this is what we're doing right now even, is we are clearly saying, God, this is your ministry. Lead us. We want to be led. The second thing that we're doing is that we're learning from past failures. Moses, you know, I'm sure the people by now are kind of like, oh, don't bring that up again. But Moses reviewed with them what the, their ancestors did wrong by not entering in. The, the lack of faith, the disobedience, their rebellion. He, he said, and this is part of his speech, but, but you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said, the Lord hates us. So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Then I said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of them. The Lord your God is with you and he's going before you. He'll fight for you. And in spite of this, you didn't trust the Lord. And it was that rebellion. It was that lack of willingness to appreciate where they were, where God had brought them. And their unwillingness to make the right choice, it was that that led them to 40 years of wandering in a circle in the desert. And every one of the generation that said no died in the desert and never saw that land that flows with milk and honey. New Glasgow Christian Church has emerged from its own desert place. Do you believe that? We've emerged from its own desert place. It's a, it's a desert in which we lost a number of our people. How many times have I been said, oh, do you know so-and-so? They used to go to New Glasgow Christian Church. Seems like every place I go, that's what I get. Oh, so-and-so, they used to go to church here. Oh, so-and-so, yeah, they used to go to camp here. And then it happened. We are emerging by the grace of God. And so we need to remember to learn from our failures. And we need to be willing to build on our mistakes, from our build from our mistakes. So we need to, if, if we're planning this succession, we need to keep God at the helm. We need to learn from our mistakes, but we also need, and this is so important, Moses went through the whole law with the people. He went through everything God had told him on Mount Sinai in the hearing of all the Israelites. He did that before they even took one step towards the Jordan River. We need to preach God's word. This is why. Moses said to them, take to heart all the words I have solemnly declared to you this day, so that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of the law. 
I love this. They are not idle words. <laughs> They're not idle words. Blah, 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 blah. They're not blah, blah, blah. They're your life. The word of God is our life. And therefore, we need to have it preached every Sunday. We need to hear the Word of God. We need to dig into the Word of God. We've got to teach the Word of God to each other. We need to teach the Word of God to our children. They're not idle words. They have effect. And by them, you will live long in the land you're crossing the Jordan to possess. This needs to be one of our singular singularly defining characteristics staying true to God's word because guess what the word of God is a light into our path and so as we move as we grow as we develop as we build upon what God has done for us and we move towards that which he has for us we need to keep the word of God central so we need to keep God at the helm. We need to uh, learn from our mistakes. We need to keep the word of God central. And we need to create mechanisms for new leadership. This is where you start to get a little edgy in your seats. Then Moses summoned Josh, Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel. I can just see him putting his arm around him. Be strong and courageous, for you must go with the people into this land that the Lord swore to, his, to their ancestors to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. See, God had been grooming Joshua, had prepared Joshua to, to lead them. In fact, all of the leadership was new. Because all the old leaders, they died. Because they were the ones, wow, they sound like they're having fun. <laughs> I want to go. <laughs> All the old leaders died because they refused to go into the land of promise. Dead. Stone cold dead in the desert of all places. We <clears throat> need to create a means. And this gets real practical, people. We too are creating a framework for handing this ministry to a new generation. This is where this thing of a constitution comes in. This is where membership comes into play. This is where elected board members comes into play. This is where term limits for people on the board comes into play so that there's a constant refreshing and a renewing of leadership in the church. It, it seems like so, like, Temporal, so worldly, but it is to the means, it is the means to the end of having a good succession. And so, constitution, governance, but also, we're, we're, and I haven't talked much about this, but, but I want us to be in prayer about the fact that we need a children's ministry coordinator. We need to capitalize on the fact that God, in his grace and mercy, has brought us kids. <laughs> I like that. They brought, he's brought us kids. 
And we don't want to be negligent. We want to be good stewards, and so we need. And I know we just got this piddly little job one day a week, and it's not one day a week. I mean, I'm supposed to work so many hours a week. I don't know when I work those hours. It's not like that. But it's like, you know, take some leadership for our children's ministry. We need someone to do that. And we'll pay for you to do that because we need somebody to do that so that we can make this a place where people who are raising their children can find a safe haven for their children where they can find out about the Word of God where we're not ashamed of the Word of God and we don't confuse it with all of the other philosophies floating around in the world that just confuse the kids. So we need to continue to Create mechanisms for new leadership. And then finally, what I'm doing right now, quite frankly, is casting vision. This is how he cast the vision, Moses. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I set before you the life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life, so that you and your children may live, and that you may love the Lord your God, Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord God is your life, and he'll give you many years in the land he swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses held out the promise of many happy, prosperous years in the future and in this land of promise. But it was conditional, wasn't it? It was conditional upon obedience. It was conditional upon the right choice. I started out by asking about your relationship to this church. Because there are times when God calls us to evaluate our commitment. And he calls us to choose between options. Israel was faced with a decision at the Jordan River to go into the promised land trusting in the Lord or to choose status quo or worse, regress, rebel, and go backwards. I believe we are at a point of decision to choose life for this ministry by accepting our responsibility to the body of Christ by being intimately involved and highly invested, intentionally working on a healthy and successful succession so that New Glasgow Christian Church can continue its mission in this community. Or to choose death. By putting off the choice. Just say, man, I wish Tim wouldn't talk about that stuff. I just want to go to church. I want to be uplifted and I want to leave. That's not what the Bible says this is about. <laughs> we need to choose life or we will choose death. I want to tell you about a buddy of mine. I, I love this guy. He and his wife actually were co-pastors in a little town next to where we were, we were pastoring last. And this is so sad. Like, this is so sad. This guy had such a heart for ministry. And God had called him to this little Baptist church in this town. 
And in confidence one day, with a broken heart, he said, God has called me to be a pastor of palliative care. Do you know what palliative care is? It's nursing people to death. He knew what he was doing. He was there just to ease them into death. He knew they were going to die. He knew the church was going to die. He knew it. And he was called to do that. That's got to be the kiss of death for a pastor. I'm totally not there at all. I I totally am in a place where I feel that God is, is showing us. He's kind of beating us over the heads with the fact that I have, he has things planned for this place. But we have to choose. And I hope we're going to choose life. So I just want to close real quickly with what does that mean for you? to choose life for New Glasgow Christian What does it mean for you? Well, the first thing is, and this is the most important thing, if, if, if your relationship with Jesus Christ is as casual or friendly as your relationship with this church, get to work. We all need to be invested, highly invested, intimately involved with our relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord. We need to be each part of that body, vital, not cancerous, not inept, ineffective, but alive. We need to choose to have that intimate, highly invested relationship with this ministry. That's to choose life. We need to get involved. God has gifted each one of us. And so you could be a teacher, a worship leader, a worship, uh, be on the worship team, be a board member, whatever. You can be that. We have new people in our church, and, and I know that they're, that they're tentative because they don't know, they don't know what they're going to get if they start to show some initiative. They don't know if they're going to get a slap on the wrist or they're going to get an embrace, right? Because there are some people in this church who who, who have been around forever and they're going to slap them on the wrist. (laughs) Well, I'm telling you, they don't represent this church. This church is open. This church wants you to be involved, wants you to express your gifts, wants you to take leadership. We are open. For business. You will not get a slap on the wrist. We need you. You're the part of the body of Christ. You're indispensable. Remember, God has already begun this transition. We're just trying to catch up. All we need to do is trust him. What are you going to choose? What are you going to choose? I hope we'll choose life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for how you teach us 
how you lead us, how you guide us, how you don't want us to stay static, but you have plans for us, plans to prosper us. And so, Lord Jesus, we, yeah, we just, we want to make the right decision. I, I hope that you will be at work in each one of us, calling us uh, to this. Lord, we are excited to see what this land of promise is all about. We are excited to see what you have in store. We know that you are working. We know we can see it around us. And so, Lord, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> just, just, a, just, a, just a thought, just because just I, I, I don't want anybody to misinterpret what I said. I know that I know that when you when people come to a church initially, there's sort of this sort of like you know testing the waters and stuff, and that's that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm, I'm talking I'm talking about people that have made this their church and and, and, and need to choose. You know, if you, if you're here just checking this place out, just feel feel free. <laughs> We're not going to think that you have a casual relationship with the church. You're just doing due diligence, and that's good. But if that's not you, come on. We have work to do. 